0: Well, tonight we're in verse 5 of the 23rd Psalm. Now, after this, I am going to go into the gifts of the Spirit. And then, Lord willing, if the creek don't rise, Hebrews. 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 So, we're learning here on Wednesday nights. I mean, we're learning. We need to be biblically literate. Amen? Know what we're talking about. So, as we have done every week, we're going to read the whole psalm. It's only six verses. And we're just going to quote it out loud. And then we're going to look at verse five. So let's read it together. Are you ready? It's up there on the screen. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley... Of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table. Here's verse 5. Before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. 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 Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this powerful word. Lord, you gave David this psalm. It's inspired by you. And, Lord, as we get into verse 5 tonight and look at what David wrote under the inspiration of the Spirit, bring it home to us. Help us to apply it to our own lives. Make it real to us. Help us to understand what you are telling us in this verse. So we've got something to put in our pocket and take home with us and put to use tomorrow when we wake up. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him he's preparing a table for you. Amen. Okay, I got to ask you, I, I just have to, because I, I, I just have to go ahead and get this off my chest. How many of you have heard about the new Jesus shoes? If you have heard about the Jesus shoes, raise your hand. Oh, good. I get to tell you. Now somebody has put together some tennis shoes called Jesus shoes. In the bottom of the shoes, uh, it's blue, and inside of it is water from the Jordan. Hang on. Gets better. And on the lace is a crucifix with Jesus still on the crucifix. And there is a Bible verse... Embedded in the side of the shoe. The whole idea is you're walking on holy water. They are selling for $3,000. And they're going like hotcakes. So I've had Jeffrey order a few <laughs> for the bookstore back there. And we're just going gonna to be making them available with a special discount rate uh, 2,900 bucks. And with the Jesus shoes, we're going to pay off uh, our inner, our, our construction, our, our the, what we did in, inside the building with Jesus shoes. I mean, I just witnessed to it, don't you? I kind of, I really do. And how many of you would grab a pair for twenty nine hundred bucks? Come on. Okay, I had to get that off my chest because I read that and I went, people will believe anything, and they'll they'll buy anything. So now that I've unloaded that. Let's get into the 23rd Psalm. Now I want you to notice verse five. Here's David. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Now it's important to keep in mind as we uh, finish out this Psalm that the 23rd Psalm was written by David who had been a shepherd long before he was a king. So he writes this beloved psalm from the viewpoint of a genuine shepherd with intimate knowledge of taking care of real, genuine sheep. Now, the context of the fifth verse is that the sheep are approaching. this is real. This is real shepherding we're talking about now. The sheep are approaching the high mountain country being led by the shepherd. This really happens in the life of a sheep where they're going to spend the summer months. So the shepherd in verse five is taking them to high mountain country where they're gonna spend the hot summer months. And these ranges are known as tablelands or mesas. Uh, mesa is the Spanish word for table. So when David says, you prepare a table before me, he's not talking about a dinner table. I mean, how many of you have ever thought that? Oh, God's preparing a dinner table. I've preached it that way before. And I was totally wrong. Because he's not talking about a, a dinner table, but the entire summer range where the sheep will graze. It's called a tableland. Early in the season, even before the snow is gone, he'll go up ahead of them to survey the land. And he takes along a supply of salt and minerals to be distributed over the range at strategic spots for the benefit of the sheep. So here's the idea. He's going to be taking them upward, up to a mountaintop experience. He's taking them up and before he takes them, he's going ahead of them and he's preparing the table, the range, the place where they're going to graze. He inspects the grass and other vegetation in the area, and he, he's looking for poisonous weeds, and, and he aggressively removes them, or he will lead the sheep to areas where they don't exist. So he's going ahead of them to prepare a table before them. The whole idea is this, everybody. Our shepherd, our real good shepherd, the good shepherd of the sheep, Jesus Christ, is always going ahead of us into our future, waiting for us to arrive. And he's preparing our arrival. Amen? Amen? So all of this was in the back of David's mind when he wrote these lines. He he thought of how God shepherded him through his word to guide him safely amongst predators and dangers. We think of Psalms like 119, the longest Psalm in the whole Bible, the longest chapter in the entire Bible is Psalms 119. And look how God shepherds us in these Psalms and shepherded David. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to what? Your word. So God's word keeps us pure. God's word. Listen, there's no way that you and I are ever going to walk in purity in this filthy, wicked, reprobate, depraved culture. Unless the word of God is keeping us pure. Amen? So wherewithal shall a young man or a young woman cleanse their way? By listening to and meditating on his word. And then in another uh, verse from Psalms 19, 119, he says, direct my steps by your word. How does he direct our steps? By his word. And look what he goes on to pray. Don't let any iniquity have dominion over me. Lord, don't let any sin Get its grip on me, but keep me free. So God's word guides us. Direct my steps by your word. Amen? And here's one more out of Psalms 119. I've gone astray like a lost sheep. This is David talking. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. So here he's telling us God's word retrieves us when we stray. Amen? How many of you have ever strayed from the Lord in your life? The rest of you, you're straying right now. <laughs> Not being truthful. In, because everybody strays a little bit, right? So, and what brought you back? The word of God. Guarantee you, it was the word of God. Now, notice how David always connected God's shepherding with the word of God. He said, how does God shepherd me? He shepherds me by his word. And David knew that as he went ahead of the sheep to prepare the table lands for their arrival, our own great good shepherd likewise goes ahead of us in every situation, anticipating what dangers we're going to encounter and praying for us that in it we might not succumb. Amen. See, when you are approached with a trial, God knew that that was coming the whole time. I know I say it a lot. But I'll say it again. God never says, well, I'll be. Never. Because when you and I encounter a trial, God knew that it was coming. And God had already gone ahead to prepare us to go through the trial, survive the trial, be strengthened in the trial, and come out on the other side of the trial better than before we went in. That's the ministry of our shepherd. Can we thank him for that? He's praying for us. And not only does the shepherd clear out the poisonous weeds and find the best grass for the sheep to graze in, he also looks out for the predators of the area. Wolves, coyotes, cougars, bears regularly raid and kill sheep. And they did in David's day. Remember when David told Saul when he was about to go face Goliath, he said, look, I've killed a lion with my bare hand and I've killed a bear with my bare hand. And, and what were they doing? They were attacking my father's sheep. And he's such a type of Christ here. David is such a type of Christ here because they weren't even his sheep. They were his father's sheep, Jesse's sheep. But because they were his father's sheep, When the lion came against them, David said, no, 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 no. He's put me in charge. Picture Jesus saying this because God loves you. And and who's our shepherd? His name is Jesus. And when the predators come for you and me, what does he say? I'll give my life. I'll lay my life down to protect you from the predators. I'll lay my life down to fight for you so that you are not devoured by the predators. So David grabbed that lion. And and I, I believe this. I believe that's how he learned the anointing of God. Because when he grabbed that lion, it, it says in the Bible, he grabbed him by the beard with his hand. Now, folks, you, you got to be under a serious anointing to grab a lion by his, by his chin. And with your bare hand. I think he took him down, killed him with his bare hands under the anointing of God and walked away and got the shakes. What did I just do? I can't believe I just did. And, and what was he learning? He was learning when you're in the, when you're doing God's will and you're fighting God's battle, there is an anointing that comes upon you that is not of you or from you or by you, but it moves through you to destroy something you could never destroy on your own. Amen. Amen. Same thing happened with the bear. So he had a, a dead lion in his past that he killed under the anointing a dead bear that he killed under the anointing. That's why when he faced Goliath, he had confidence. Because he said, God gave me that lion, God gave me that bear, and he told Goliath, God will give you to me. See, God carries us through battles no one knows about. No one knows about. See, when David killed that lion, there was nobody there. He was off in the wilderness somewhere, just like the setting of this psalm. And he was just herding sheep. And here comes a lion and and grabbed one of the sheep. And this anointing came upon him and he did this incredible feat with nobody looking. And God was teaching his future giant killer how to move in the anointing. That that greater was he that is in him than he that, that is in the world. And see, God will allow you and me to go through battles in the wilderness where nobody's looking. But God and maybe a couple of angels and in your private battles, you learn to take down a lion, a lion of temptation, a lion of fear, a lion of doubt, a lion of stress, a lion of worry. Whatever, whatever your lion is, you take it down. And you go, whoa. How did I do that? And God says, you did it by the anointing of my spirit and by using my word. Now, Do we not see the same thing in Jesus? When Jesus fought the devil in the wilderness, there was nobody there. And he went up against the devil and defeated him by the word of God. And so he defeated the devil privately before he ever faced him publicly. David defeated giants, lions, bears privately, but he killed Goliath publicly. So you're never going through a battle where God's not watching and God's not teaching you and God's not preparing you to bring down something bigger and that matters more in the future. So important. Come on, everybody. It's so important. So that's why I tell you all the time, God never wastes a pain. He never wastes a battle. Amen. Now these predators the, the lions and wolves and coyotes, cougars, bears um, they could often be seen as the shepherd was taking the sheep up towards the mountain top, up towards the tableland where he was going to let them graze. He would be able to see these predators peering over the rim rock, watching every move the sheep make, waiting for an opportune moment to pounce. And only the alertness of the shepherd could keep them safe. Before you ever spot your enemy, your shepherd's already seen him. And your shepherd has already got him in the crosshairs. And your shepherd already knows what he's up to. You know, nobody knows the wiles of the devil like Jesus does. Our good shepherd does the very same thing for us. He knows every wile and trick of the devil and of his demons And scripture rightly compares our adversary to a predator, a predatory-like animal. Peter said he's like a lion walking about, seeking somebody to devour. And literally the Greek is to eat alive. Peter, by the spirit of God, compared our enemy to a predatory beast. And Jesus sees him when he's making a move on us. Jesus sees him. I said, Jesus sees him. See, when you wake up and you go, wow, I think I'm in a battle. Jesus knew it when it started. Jesus knew it before it ever started. We're usually late to the game. Have you ever noticed that? We're in a battle and the Lord says, you realize that now? I saw it a month ago. But now you're finally realizing you're not dealing with flesh and blood. You're dealing with principalities and powers. About time you saw it. A classic example of this, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, is when Jesus warned Peter that Satan had asked to sift him like wheat. We see that Jesus was already out in front of the devil. He already knew what Satan was up to, and Peter was oblivious. He hadn't a clue what the devil was about to attempt to do to him. But Jesus saw it. He's the shepherd. He's taking Peter. I mean, Peter was headed towards Pentecost. Peter was headed towards the greatest mountaintop of his life. And Jesus spotted what the devil was going to try to do to him to knock him out of the race before he got filled with the spirit and became the preacher at Pentecost. Do you see this? See, some of you, you're experiencing an increased battle warfare in your life right now. Has it occurred to you, you might be headed towards a mountaintop experience And the devil knows about it. And the devil's trying to derail you and knock you off the saddle before you get there to experience what God is preparing for you. Come on. Amen. Because Peter was about to step into the whole reason he was born. And Jesus said, Peter, I I know this. I've got an inside track. The devil has asked for you to sift you like wheat. He's going to try to take you out, Peter. But then Jesus said, but I have prayed for you. See how he's in front of the game? I've prayed for you, that your faith won't fail. Notice he didn't pray that he wouldn't experience the trial. He prayed that when you do experience the trial, I'm praying your faith survives. Come on, everyone. How many of you have ever wished the Lord would have prayed to prevent you from ever even seeing the trial? Right? But he's not going to do that because he's not raising sissies. He's ra- raising men and women of God with steels of spine who know how to have victory spiritually. So he lets us go through things. Now, here Jesus says, I prayed for you that your faith won't fail. And when you have returned to me, so there Jesus already knew Peter was going to fail and walk away and return to fishing, try to go back to his old life. I mean, when you've returned to me, Peter, you're going to strengthen your brethren. So Jesus saw the devil, as it were, peering over the rim rock of hell at Peter and stepped in to pray for his disciple. Peter survived the fierce trial and the predator, and Satan was defeated. Satan was defeated. And just as a little aside, this is free. This has nothing to do with Psalms 23. But have you ever noticed in, in all the disciples' writings, all the epistles, not, not one disciple ever mentions Peter's fall? Right. Have you ever thought about that? They didn't rag on him. They didn't undermine him. They didn't talk about his failure. His hush. They never talked about it. You say, well, why would that matter? Because Peter fell hard, but he got up powerful. And they focused more on his writings and his apostleship than they did his fall. And that's the way we need to do one another. Everybody messes up. But we don't focus on your fall. We focus on your recovery. Amen? We, we focus on your restoration. We focus on you coming back and doing damage to the kingdom of the devil. Now, another thing the shepherd does before leading his sheep to the tablelands is check out the watering holes, the springs, and the drinking places. And he'll find these things, and he'll remove twigs. He, he removes leaves and stones and dirt that may have fallen into the water source. He wants the sheep to have clean, pure drinking water. Now, you already know where I'm going with this. The parallel for us Christians is obvious. Our good shepherd has already gone ahead of us and prepared a glorious source of pure, clean, spiritual water. And there's several of them. One of them you hold in your hand, but I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But the other one is living inside of you. He gave his word, which Paul said Jesus uses to cleanse us like water. He gave us his word. Say with me the word. The word is a source of water, spiritual water. Listen to this verse, Ephesians 5, 26. That he might sanctify her, talking about us, the church, having cleansed her, talking about us. How? By the washing of water with what? Say it with me. The word. So when we read the water, uh, read the water, read the word, we are literally experiencing our souls being washed By spiritual water. Have you ever just... When you come out of time in God's word, you feel so clean. You feel so good. Have you ever noticed that? And, And that's because you got washed. The Lord washes us with the water of the word. And he also gave us his spirit. He made sure that we had good spiritual drinking water. He gave us his spirit, which he compared to water. Isaiah 12, verse 3 says, With joy... You will draw water from the wells of salvation. Well, that's not talking about H2O. That's talking about the well of salvation. And what kind of water comes out of the well of salvation? The Holy Spirit. He told the woman at the well that he had water, speaking of the Holy Spirit, that once she drank of, she would never thirst again. And she said, give me some of this water. And he said, then he messed with her stuff. He said, okay, you want some of that water? Go get your husband. He said, oh, Lord, now, now you're going where we don't really need to go because I, I, I don't really have a husband. He said, you're right. You're shacked up. Now, what was he doing? He was getting her to repent of her sin so that he could give her living water. And this woman ended up being the first New Testament evangelist, going into the town, preaching, come see a real man. Come see a real man who told me everything I ever did. And, and the whole town turned out to see Jesus. And the Bible says many of them were saved because of this woman. Now, keep in mind, how many of you are being blessed tonight? Amen. Aren't you glad for our good shepherd? Now, now keep in mind that the table land was on the mountaintop. It was a mountaintop experience for these sheep to be led by the shepherd Along the winding paths leading up to the tableland, which was at the mountaintop. And the Christian walk is often a mountaintop experience where our good shepherd leads us to a spiritual high point. I've had several really spiritual, powerful high points. I'm so thankful to God for it. It was the high points where I got called. It was the high points. And man, when God gives you a spiritual high point, soak it up. You're going to need it because the journey is long. Remember when God told Elijah, the angel told Elijah, you better eat this wonder bread and, and, and really take advantage of what I'm giving you because the journey is too far for you without supernatural bread. So when God gives us a spiritual blessing that is a high point, that's exactly what a real shepherd does with his sheep. He takes them up to these plateaus these tablelands that are in the mountaintops and he has prepared the table in plain view the table for you and me in plain view of the devil who would like to demoralize and destroy us if he could that's what he was trying to do with peter he was trying to demoralize him and destroy him through shame because peter denied christ but Jesus came and restored him and boy, did he go to a mountaintop shortly with the day of Pentecost and being filled with the Holy Spirit. But now speaking of mountaintop experiences, I want to keep it real. Even though the shepherd goes ahead of the sheep to prepare the way, it does not mean they're not going to have problems. I am never going to sit here and tell you Oh, if you you really follow Jesus, and you really become a disciple of his, and you really bear down, and you put your arms tight around the Lord, and you press in strong, and you pray all the time and read the Bible all the time, you're going to be insulated in a special little spiritual bubble. No way. Sometimes you have worse battles because the devil sees what's happening to you, and he attacks See, the real shepherd leading real sheep to the mountaintop knows predators can still attack, poisonous weeds can still grow, and storms can still suddenly appear. How many of you know this is true? Amen? Yet, when they do appear, our good shepherd makes even those things somehow work for his glory and our good. If you hang on and stay faithful, if you hang on and stay faithful, if you pick up your marbles and go home and quit reading the Bible and quit praying and get out of church and and go out into the world, no, you can't expect him to come and bless you in that context. It's when you're going through a trial and you don't understand his hand, you've got to trust his heart. And as you stay true to him, even in the trial, that is when he says, okay, I'm going to work this for your good. I'm going to bring you out on the other side. It may take a while, but you're going to come out purified like gold. Amen. He promises some gladness amidst our sadness, some delightful days amongst the dark days, sunshine, not just shadow, no matter what we pass through our shepherd is right by our side. Amen. So I want you to say with me, he prepares a table, prepares a table before, me before me while the enemy watches on. Don't you love that? I love it. He makes the devil watch as he blesses you and leads you to good grazing land. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise? Amen. Now, I want to recap before launching into the second part of this verse. Let's let's just keep these things in mind. David is recounting the key events of a full year in the sheep's life. That's the 23rd Psalm. He takes us with him from the home ranch, verse one, where every need is so carefully supplied by the owner. He takes us on to the green pastures, the still waters, up through the mountain valleys to the high tablelands of summer that we just explored. So, what this is, is this is a year in the life of a flock of sheep. Alright? Now, in verse 5, they're in the high meadows. They're in a sublime setting where there are clear running springs, where the forage is fresh and tender, where there is the intimate close contact with the shepherd, but suddenly there is a problem. Everybody say problems happen. Amen. Suddenly there is a problem, an issue, and it's a fly in the ointment, so to speak, a real one, because it just so happens the summertime is fly time. Now, in Texas, it's skeeter time. I live near some water. And man, I'm telling you, as soon as June arrives, if you go out back on the patio, you are going to be devoured alive. It's mosquito time. But, but, but David was thinking, and David dealt in the world of fly time. Fly time for the sheep is when hordes of insects emerge in the warm weather to harass the sheep. Let's name a few. They're so wonderful and beautiful to just hear. So here they are. Warble flies, bot flies, Heel flies, nasal flies, deer flies, black flies, mosquitoes, and gnats. Doesn't that sound like fun? And now, here's the fact. The sheep are especially troubled by the nasal fly. I would be too. That really bugs me. I don't even like to read it. The nasal fly. Because here's what a nasal fly does to these poor sheep. They lay their eggs in the sheep's nasal passages. That produces larvae. That literally crawl up into the sheep's head. I know, everybody just take a minute. If you need to get up and run to the restroom, I understand, that's, that's good. Isn't that terrible? But this is real life, so I'm just going to tell you the truth. And they bring torment to this sheep. There's nothing, what is he going to do? He has no hands to deal with this. He has no brain to deal with it. He's a D-U-M-B sheep. So for relief, here's what these poor sheep will do. They'll beat their heads against trees and beat their heads against rocks. In extreme cases, they'll even kill themselves to find relief from the torment of these nasal flies. Now the sheep's only hope, everybody, is once again the shepherd. At the very first sign of flies, he'll apply an antidote to their heads, smearing it all over their head and all over the sheep's nose. And that's what David has in mind when he says, you anoint my head with oil. Acting as an insect repellent, this makes an incredible difference with the sheep. Because the aggravation and the fear and the torment are gone because the shepherd saw the problem and anointed their head with oil. Now, it's very easy to see the application for us today because all of this is written for us to get something out of. How easy it is for we human beings to get a fly in the ointment of our thinking. Remember now, this is all happening in the sheep's head. And things happening in in our head. As a matter of fact, 98% of the battles you and I experience with the devil happen in between our two ears. In the gray matter. In our thought life. The mind is the battlefield. Spiritual warfare takes place on the battlefield of the mind. When you're tempted, it happens in your mind. When you have doubts, it happens in your mind. When you think wicked thoughts, it all happens in your mind. Every action you do began with a thought in your mind. All right? Everything we do, every place we go, everything we say has its origination in our minds, in our thought life. And it's easy for us to get a fly in the ointment of our thinking. Petty annoyances. Have you ever noticed how a petty annoyance, if you don't get rid of it, will grow until you feel like banging your head against a wall? (laughs) Offenses. Oh my, offenses. How the devil uses offenses. How We've got a nation that is offended constantly. Find me somebody that's not offended by something and I'll show you somebody in the minority. Because political correctness has ruined us uh, in this way. We're babies. We, the littlest thing, and we get all offended, and the offense grows. And it's just like these nasal flies. It's a thought that gets into your mind, the offense. And the more you think about it, the more it grows until it's tormenting you, just like these sheep are tormented. Do you see the parallel? Distractions, burning issues, can carry us to the point of despair if we don't deal with the thought in its infancy. If we don't get spiritual oil on our thought life, then the the slightest little thing can carry us to a place of despair. The devil plants thoughts that can harass and torment us. He does it in your marriage. He does it with you and your kids. He does it with your kids and you. He does it at the workplace. He does it with you and yourself. You'll get something going through your brain that the the devil put there. It's a thought. It's a seed thought. It's, it, I'm going to say it. It's a nasal fly. And and it's laid eggs in your, in your thought life. And and now you're not thinking about Jesus. You're thinking about the offense or you're thinking about the doubts or the fears or whatever it is. And, And without an anointing, it drives us to distraction. I mean, it's easy to see his success, the devil's success, in our society today. Look at our society today. How, how, how badly does American culture need the anointing oil of the Lord Jesus Christ on their thought life? Oh, come on, everybody. Because people are angry. They're irritable. They're miserable. They fly off the handle over nothing. Like I was pulling out of here this week. I pulled out right down here. I'm going down the service road, mine and my own. I'm in a little um Hyundai, and I'm just going down the service road, and, and a, a guy in a pickup didn't like the way. You know what? I don't know what he didn't like, but all of a sudden, he's right here. He has pulled over, and he's this far from, from from ramming me, and he's looking at me. And 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 I could see him mouthing something, and and I'm just, you know, just Pastor Jeff, just going down the service road in a little Hyundai, you know. I wasn't driving a power car, a little Hyundai with my bike rack on the back. I'm I'm innocent. I'm harmless. I really am a, a huggable, lovable little teddy bear. And, and here's this guy, and I mean, he's giving me a look at, that was murder. And I was thinking, it takes nothing anymore, nothing for grown adults to totally lose it. You know why? They got nasal flies in their brains. That's going to go over the radio and I'm going to get calls. Dr. Jeff was talking about nasal flies in people's brains. No, let me tell you something. You, you get the metaphor. They're so overwhelmed with life. They're so on the edge. So many things are working in their thought life that they don't have the patience of a flea. That's free. I just thought I'd share that story. Let you know that things do happen to me too. And man, do I slow down? It's like, see it? This guy, you know, hat on, the whole bit. I thought he's going to follow me. So it was just one of those things. Amen. So filled with hate, filled with offenses, filled with fear. Some, now here's what our culture does. Some choose to self-medicate to numb the torment because it's torment. Man, I don't have any peace. I don't have any joy. I'm not enjoying life. I'm angry at this, that, and the other. I'm offended. I'm not getting along with the the spouse at home. I'm bugged about everything. My job's not going well. I'm not making enough money, this and that and the other. And I don't have any peace with God, so I'm all on my own. So they self-medicate. They turn to false philosophies or religions in search of answers. They throw back the alcohol, do the drugs. See, to me, it's not a matter of if you, if you drink or not. Or, or Here's what people say. Uh, why are drugs wrong? Because didn't God make them? They say to me about pot. God made it. Besides, it's legal in Colorado. And I say, you're not in Colorado. But here's the deal. He made poison ivy too. You going to smoke that? <laughs> Seriously. Just because it's there doesn't mean you're supposed to smoke it. I'm on a roll tonight. This, this isn't even in my notes. All right. But, but what I want to know is, but why do you want to smoke it? Why do you want to drink it? Here's Why? I want to know, what, what, what pain is going on inside of you that, that could be healed? What are you trying to numb? Um, and other people just live in misery. They just live in misery. But for the Christian, there's anointing oil from the hand of our good shepherd. And first, God has given us the peace and calm of his spirit. It says he brings the peace that passes all understanding. Everybody say anointing oil. He anoints my head with the peace that passes understanding. But it's important to note that just as one application from the shepherd is not enough to ward off the flies for the whole summer, just one touch from God's Spirit on a Sunday morning is not enough to ward off the distractions for the rest of the week. We all need to know how to access the living waters on our own, in our own prayer closet, in our own devotional time. Amen? The daily touch of the Spirit of God produces in our character... The opposite of what we see in the world. The fruits of joy, contentment, love, patience, peace begin to appear. The opposite of what was on that man. It was so mad at me. This time spent in God's presence is what David had in mind when he wrote, you anoint my head with oil. And then along with maddening insects are also the parasites that cause what is called scab time. Sheep have such a good time. They got fly time. They got scab time. Scab is an irritating and highly contagious disease among sheep that spreads throughout the flock by direct contact. Did you know that sheep love to rub heads together in a show of affection? And when they do, they spread that disease. Scab. Now, again, the only answer is the anointing oil. But this time, the shepherds got to totally immerse them in the oil to get rid of the disease off their whole body They must be totally dipped like we would dip a dog for a flea dip. Then the diseases stop. Now listen carefully to me because there's metaphors, parallels here. Likewise, it's when we rub heads with others that we often pick up diseased ideas. Emotions, offenses, worldviews. There's no way that we can spend time consistent quality time with a person without picking up their attitudes, their ideas, or their thoughts. There's just no way. That's why the Bible says if you're a Christian, don't marry a non-Christian. Marry a Christian. Okay? Especially in today's world of mass media, we're in grave danger of picking up thought disease ideas and views that are totally contrary to scripture. You pick them up, you get out there on the internet, you can read anything. You read you read loony, crazy, nutty stuff. But people get out there on the internet, uh, on, on social media forums, and they read these things. And, and what they're doing is they're rubbing heads with somebody, sharing thoughts with somebody, whose thoughts are not biblical. Folks, are you aware of how you need to protect your mind? Protect your thoughts? Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So we need God thoughts. We don't need worldly thoughts. So how many countless parents, I've known a few, have watched their children's attitudes and ideas undergo radical change once they discovered Facebook or some other social media forum, right? right? And before you know it, they're, they're acting different, talking different, walking different, living different. You go, where'd you get this? I was, I was rubbing heads with somebody on social media, and I picked up their ideas. See, I'm real careful who I read. I'm real careful what I watch. I'm real careful that I all the time have the word of God going in me. He said, well, Jeff, you're just super spiritual. No, I'm not. I'm surviving. I do it so that I will be victorious. So I, I listen to messages all the time from Many different people, Bible messages, sermons. Cindy would tell you, and she's not here tonight because she's got to get up at four in the morning and take her stepfather to a surgery at five. So I said, stay home and rest. But hi, Cindy. There. Now, um, but the, the whole deal is uh, I listen to messages so the word is always going into me because I want the word to wash me. I want the wisdom of the word. I want my faith built. I, I, I want to walk with God. I want victory. So I'm always taking in scripture one way or the other. I, I've just learned that it's just a, it's something I do. But these people that read the Bible once a week and then they're in People Magazine and reading newspapers and all these other things that are just worldly thoughts, they're, they're rubbing heads, taking in ideas that are not godly. The only way to attain such a mind free of the world's contamination is to apply the oil of God's word to our heads. He anoints my head with oil. As we read and meditate on God's word, the oil of his spirit is applied to our thoughts, chasing out ungodly ones and replacing them with God's thoughts. But here's the deal. We have to do it. It's our decision whether or not we want to have a free thought life. As the old saying goes, God can lead us to the water, but he cannot make us drink. He's given us the oil of his spirit and his word, but we've got to apply it. And now I want to close with this. Also in the body of Christ at large, Christians not only, as it were, rub heads affectionately through godly fellowship, but they also bump heads in conflict, causing offenses. And I can tell you as a pastor of many years that much of the grief, the wounds, the hurts, the ill will, and the grudges in Christians' lives can be traced back. To old conflicts that were never healed or forgiven. This Sunday, throughout the American church scene, untold thousands of people will refuse to go to church due to unresolved, unforgiven offenses. And the oil of God's word is available, but they stubbornly refuse it. I don't know about you, life's too short. To get away from the shepherd and and live in unrest and and torment and hassle and harassment. No, no. I want to walk in his peace. What about you? Come on, everybody. So let's stand together. Can we tonight? And let me just read this last little bit to you. A wonderful thought to begin the day with is that the Lord Jesus, our good shepherd, is there for us every morning when we awaken. What's he there to do? To anoint our heads with oil. The oil of his word and the oil of his spirit. Don't leave home without it. Don't leave home without it. Amen? Amen. No Bible, no breakfast. How's that? Let's lift our hands, can we? Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you. That you lead us into the high places. And there, as we're going up there, Lord, you spot the predators. And you go ahead of us and you pray for us. So that even though we face the predators, and even though we go through a trial, our faith doesn't fail. And we return to strengthen the brethren. And thank you, Lord, that you anoint our heads with oil. The oil of the spirit. The peace of God the oil of the word. And as you do anoint our heads with oil, Lord, all the harassments, distractions, bad thoughts, torments, leave our mind and are replaced with the peace that passes understanding. Can we just thank him for the anointing oil? Thank you, Lord, for the anointing oil. The anointing oil. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Thank you, Lord, for the peace, for the joy, for the love. Thank you, Lord, for your protection as we allow you to anoint our thoughts with oil. Thank you, Lord, for the powerful anointing oil that no devil can conquer. But, Lord, your anointing keeps us. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's worship him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you're thankful for that anointing oil, just lift your hands and let's just, let's just go ahead and, and, and do it. Let that anointing oil come upon your thoughts.